Well, good evening. You got your Bible with you tonight. I invite you to uh, take it and open up your copy of God's Word to the sixth chapter of the book of the Revelation. And we will read together tonight uh, these informative words uh, from verse 12 all the way down through verse number 17 of Revelation chapter number 6. When he opened the sixth seal, I looked, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth, and the full moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth. As the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale, the sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone slave and free hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. That's an interesting phrase. Wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? This is God's Word. Let's pray together. Precious Father, we thank you again for the revelation of your Word. God, we thank you for, God, the divine truth that you communicate to your church. That, Father, we are not caught unawares, but that we are aware, Lord, of how your purpose and your plan will unfold, not only today, not only how it has in the past, but, God, what will come to pass in the future. And, Lord, this knowledge is not here to entertain it is here that we might see and behold the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we thank you for this last book in the canon of Scripture, the book called Revelation, that is the unveiling of Christ, showing us the ultimate zenith of His Revelation of glory and, Lord, the great hope of what reality in eternity shall be and how your church shall reign together with you in the ages to come. Lord, we thank you for this. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen and amen. Well, tonight... We're going to savor this sixth seal. Uh, if you'll recall, we, we saw the first four seals broken with the 
four horsemen of the apocalypse, as they are often called. And last Lord's Day together, we saw the breaking of the fifth seal. And those seals, I told you, were broken the moment Christ ascended to heaven. And they have been unfolding in the history of the church since then. They've been increasing in intensity. They've been increasing in frequency. Those different aspects of uh, life that they encapsulate. And so we have seen that. But now we have the sixth seal. And in my understanding of the book of Revelation, in the, the lens through which I look through as I uh, engaged Revelation through the eyes of Jesus in Matthew 24, as I have come to a historic premillennial position on it, the sixth seal is yet to be. It is future. Now, even if you, you, you don't take a historical premillennial view, if you take the, the newer view, the, the, the hyper, as I call it, hyper-dispensational view of uh, premillennial view, the sixth seal is still in the future. So we're all, every one of us in here, we're all in agreement over the, the sixth seal. It's yet to be. It's futuristic. It has not come to pass yet, but it will. As sure as the sun comes up in the east and sets in the west, one day the sixth seal will be broken. And that seal is going to be broken somewhere at the midpoint of a seven-year tribulation period. Somewhere at, at three and a half years, somewhere in there at that midpoint, it will be broken. Uh, that first half of this seven-year tribulation period will be characterized by false peace, false hope, false religion. But when that seal is broken at the midpoint, when that seal is broken by the Lamb of God, when what it represents is unleashed... It will bring something upon this planet unlike any tragedy and calamity that it has ever seen. Matter of fact, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 21, He says, There will be great tribulation such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now and will never be. And He is right. You see, during the first half of this seven-year tribulation period, which is prior, the tribulation begins before the day of the Lord actually begins, before the sixth seal is actually broken. Uh, during the first half of this tribulation period, there is a, an Antichrist figure who is the culmination of the spirit of Antichrist um, that comes on to the global scene, and along with him comes this uh, religious guru, this false prophet that works in tandem with him. And they come on the global scene. It seems to me, it seems apparent that there has been some global crisis, perhaps of some kind. 
uh, whether it was a real crisis or a manufactured crisis, uh, whatever happens globally will set the stage for these two uh, demonically energized individuals to come on the scene and usher in a sense of, of peace and usher in a sense of stability. Uh, who knows, perhaps things like the coronavirus pandemic or forerunners of uh, world crises where government comes in and takes control, uh, trying to bring somewhat stability and, and peace in, in society. Uh, but what happens is the Antichrist functions as this, this more political figure, uh, and then the, the religious guru comes along operating in signs and wonders. Um, and they will offer this world to use a past political phrase. They will offer this world, you know, hope or change that it can believe in. Um, and people will be enamored by them. They will be a source of hope and a source of peace and a troubled world, although it be false hope and false peace. And it will be life as usual or perhaps better than usual during the first part of that tribulation period. It's not really tribulation during the first part of Jacob's trouble. Matter of fact, life will be going after perhaps some global crisis. They've come along and, and kind of helped uh, ease the pain of that crisis. Uh, life will probably seem to be going along better than usual. And so during this time of, of new hope, a false hope, People will be going through life as usual. They'll be uh, getting good jobs, buying new homes, going to college, getting married, starting businesses. I mean, is this not what Jesus taught? Again, going back to Matthew 24, looking through the lens of Matthew 24, Jesus said this in verse 36, 37, 38, 39. He said, concerning that day and that hour, that day is referring not to the instant moment of his return so much as it is eschatologically referring to what is the, the day of the Lord, which is not a 24-hour day, which is what the sixth seal is inaugurating. Okay, when it's broken. But he goes on, he says, concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, nor the Fa but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came on them and swept them all away, and so will be the coming of the Son of Man. So the world asleep in its delusions will be marching forward, perhaps under some Euro-socialistic government carrying out its socialist global agenda. Perhaps then the world will actually have its dream of universal health care. But then again, why would they need universal health care? They've got a demonically energized uh, religious guru that can heal grandma's cancer and little Johnny's leukemia and wow them away. 
Nevertheless, suddenly, at an unknown point in time, in the midpoint of a seven-year tribulation period, bang, the seal is cracked. The sixth seal is cracked and broken. And the moment it is broken by the Lamb of God, it inaugurates what is known as the great and dreadful day of the Lord. A day that is announced with a great cosmic calamity which will cause universal panic in a way that the world, the human population, has never known. And it will, let me tell you, it will, when that sixth seal is broken, it's going to be bad, but it's nothing compared to the judgments that are going to unfold over a three and a half year period of time. That will be far worse in many ways. But it is the beginning of the day of the Lord. And so tonight, I simply want to ask one question of the verses that we read. I want to ask a what question of the text, and it's simply this. What happens when the sixth seal is broken? And it offers us three things. <laughs> three major things here that I want you to see. In verses 12 through 14 that we read, we see there will be a cosmic calamity on the earth. In verses 15 through 16 that we read, we see there will be universal panic amongst unbelievers. And then number three, this, will, this panic and this calamity, it will signify the beginning of the day of the Lord. And that ends with this rhetorical question, who can stand? Oh my. Uh, we'll see who can stand, not tonight, but perhaps the next time we're together in the book of the Revelation. But let's look at this. In verses 12, 13, and 14, there will be cosmic calamity on the earth. This calamity that John writes about, the prophets of old saw this day coming. Uh, Isaiah mentions just a little snippet in Isaiah chapter 29 and verse 6 when he says, In an instant and suddenly you will be visited by the Lord of hosts with thunder and with earthquake and with great noise, with whirlwind and tempest and the flame of a devouring fire. Joel gives us a little bit more information. Joel tells us in Joel chapter 2, Quite a bit about this great and dreadful day of the Lord. A day, again, that is not a 24-hour period, but a day that actually unfolds over several years. Okay, A day that will be unlike any day the world has ever seen. But, for example, in Joel chapter 2... Joel says this in verses 1 and 2. He says, Blow a trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm on my holy hill, my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord is coming. 
It is near. A day of darkness and gloom. A day of clouds and thick darkness. Like blackness there is spread upon the mountains. A great and powerful people there like has never been before. Nor will be again after them through the years of all generations. You, you digress down, progress down to, to verse 10 and 11. I mean, he says a lot before then, but he says, and I'm, I'm reading some selections that relate to what John saw. He said, the earth quakes before them, the heavens tremble, the sun and the moon are darkened, the stars withdraw their shining. The Lord utters his voice before his army, for his camp is exceedingly great. He who executes executes his word is powerful for the day of the Lord is great and very awesome here comes that question who can endure it then he says a lot more but but keeping in line with the things that John saw um, if you progress down to verse 30 of Joel 2 he says this and I will show wonders in the heavens and on earth blood and fire and columns of smoke the sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And so uh, the prophets of old saw this day coming. They saw what John saw. But I want us to consider the things that John saw. I want us to consider the description that John gives us of what it's like it, the, when that seal is broken... And when that seal is broken, it's, it, there are some pretty fierce things that happen uh, that are announcing to all of creation that the day of the Lord has come. Now, there are four features that John gives us. Joel gave them to us. Isaiah gave them to us. But there are four features that are packaged here in Revelation 6, verses 12, 13, and 14. Now, I'm going to give them to you in the order in which it seems to me logically they will unfold. And one of these features is he says, stars fall to the earth. Now, to me, that is very important in understanding how these other features come to be. Now there are those that have read this section and thought, well, what you see here is, is, is the results of uh, uh, nuclear bombs going off. And, and I would suggest to you that, that there may be some nuclear bombs go off when this happens, but it's not going to be the nuclear bombs that begin. It's going to be something else that starts that might cause that. But what we see here, he says, stars fall to the earth. The Greek term for star is very informative in my opinion. It's astros. Does that sound familiar to you? Astros, it's the same root of another English word that you're familiar with, asteroid. Asteroid. Um, asteroids, do, do, do any of you know uh, your cosmology uh, well? You know that um, when, a lot of times what you see uh, streaking, we call them a falling or shooting star, is, is actually a very tiny fragment of an asteroid 
it's a meteorite or a meteor, okay? And the larger chunks of, of space rocks, they're called asteroids. Um, and, and you let an asteroid hit the planet, uh, oh my, the calamity, the, the, the kinetic energy that is released from that uh, is, is uh, dumbfounding almost. Uh, you're talking about uh, megatonnage that is on the equivalent of far greater, depending upon the size of it, be even greater than that of Hiroshima and Nagasaki atom bombs going off. But we know, you study the Earth's surface, that there have been, we can confirm, at least 190 major impact craters over across this planet. Now, um, one of them you're probably familiar with. You see uh, pictures of it. It's the, the Behringer Crater out in, in Arizona. You've seen that big, big hole in the ground. It's the result of a, of a rather large rock <laughs> hitting the Earth's surface. Um, but imagine here, he says, stars or astros fall, they fall to the earth. They, they fell, they're shaking, he equates it to, to like figs falling from trees. When a gale wind shakes it, they fall to the earth, they hit it. Now I want you to imagine a asteroidal event in which we're not talking about a few meteors hitting the earth. We're talking about multiple large chunks of rock impacting the earth's crust. I don't think we have any idea just how horrific that would be. Because you see, when that happens, it will trigger a chain of events. With these large rocks hitting the earth, you will have an impact on the tectonic plates of the planet in which there will be some shifting of continental magnitude. And the result would trigger earthquakes. That's why he mentions earthquakes, I think. There will be earthquakes that will be taking place that will be of a magnitude unlike any we have ever seen. And with that shaking and those earthquakes happening all over the globe, perhaps it would shake some ICBMs that are in the ground. We might could have some nuclear weapons that would go off incidentally, but it wouldn't be because man did. It would be because God threw some rather large rocks to the planet when the sixth seal was broken. I don't know. That's speculation. <laughs> All right? That's not, you can't camp out a doctrine on that. That's just speculating. But there will be great earthquakes. The, the word used there is seismos. There will be seismos unlike the world has ever known. Has anybody in here ever been in an earthquake before? I woke up. This is when I lived in Ralph, Alabama. Little old Ralph, Alabama. I woke up one morning about 3.30, 4 a.m. And the whole house was just, it was vibrating. It was like a, I don't know how to describe it, like a little low frequency vi vibration. It was like super fast, like 
I mean, I can't explain it to you, okay? But I was like, huh, that's interesting. Angie, Angie, huh? (laughs) She didn't say, huh, like that. That would be me if she's waking me up. I'm like, did you you feel that? It's like, ah, well, you're dreaming. Well, we cut on the news that morning, and guess what? There was an earthquake on a plate on a fault line, not in, in Tuscaloosa, but all the way across the state on the other side in Gadsden that had actually occurred that morning. And somehow we were able to experience and feel that way over on the other side of the state in Ralph, Alabama. Now that was nothing. And we've seen some of the horrors of things that can happen in major earthquakes. But I believe with all of these large rocks hitting the earth, these asteroids, there will be earthquakes that will take place unlike any we've ever seen. Then he says something interesting. When this seal is broken, he says the sun is blackened and the moon turns red. I think... That if it follows the logic of Astros, large rocks hitting the earth, causing uh, major tectonic problems, earthquakes happening, kinetic energy released from these impacts, unlike anything we have ever seen, that with this happening, this will also cause a lot of volcanic activity. And volcanoes will be going off around the world. Now, I was a very small child when Mount St. Helens erupted. How many of you remember that? Okay. You remember those huge smoke clouds? You remember that? Well, imagine Mount St. Helens type volcanoes all over the globe going off. Yeah. The sun will be blackened from the clouds. The moon perhaps will uh, become red from the the, the coloring of the the, the ash in in certain areas. Who knows? Again, that's that's speculation. But could. And imagine if some of these... Guys, that's a little volcano. Imagine what we call, what geologists call a super volcano was to go off. Do you realize there is a super volcano right here in the United States? It takes up a large section of land out, includes some of Yellowstone National Park. If, if, the, and I'm talking a large body, you're talking about something like that went off, it'd blow a hole in the Midwest and would greatly affect the United States. You, do you realize that they're always monitoring the seismic activity out there? Because that is a concern. I don't know if you... Did you realize that? You should do a little research. Do a little reading about it. It's interesting. But now I don't want you to not go to sleep at night. Okay? Listen, God's in control. You hear me? God's in control. But nevertheless, the sun will be blackened. The moon turns red. Um, now, I, I may, this will be an environmentalist nightmare. Daylight becoming night. 
Uh, can you imagine how the, it would affect the plant life, the animal life? I mean, the ecology of the planet will be thrown into chaos overnight. And this will only be, be listen guys, this is only the beginning. There are, there are bowls of wrath that are still to come over a three and a half year period. If you take a literal approach, premillennial approach, as I do. And so there's great horror still to come. So we see there will be a cosmic calamity on earth. And then we see in verses 15 and 16 that because of this cosmic calamity, there will be universal panic on the earth and it will be amongst unbelievers. Now, let me read to you again verses 15 and 16. Just to, 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 to clarify what we're talking about here. He says, Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone slave and free hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and the rocks, following us and hide us from the face of him who seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Now that's unbelievers because... That are saying that, and that's why I can say that because believers aren't appointed unto wrath, and believers would not be hiding from the Lamb, and it would not be wrath from the Lamb that we would be looking for. But the focus here is on unbelievers, and and this will be their reaction. Now, listen to me. Regardless of how you view. The, this tribulation period, no matter which side of the aisle you're going to fall down on here, whether you fall down on a historic premillennial view like I do, or whether you fall down on a, uh, the newer uh, hyper-dispensational premillennial view, uh, there will be, regardless of which side of the aisle you fall on, there will be believers present during this time. Do you hear me? There will be believers present, whether you think they were raptured in, the, you know, or were saved after the rapture, or whether you think the, the church is being carried through here, protected by God. Either way, there are believers that are going to be here, but we're not appointed under wrath. Believers at this time, however you think the believers got there, they will be sealed and immunized against the judgments of God. All right? They will be. Now, Again, I, I'm not getting into a, a conversation with you about when the event of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 takes place, whether it's at the beginning of the trib, the middle of the trib, or the end of the trib, we'll, <laughs> tribulation period. We, we'll deal with that some other time. But it, it, it really doesn't matter. All I want you to know right now, and all John is getting yet, is that those that don't know Christ in that moment, they are going to be horrified. They are going to be horrified. And, and what we're seeing here in Revelation uh, with, the, with, the, with the sixth seal being broken, we are seeing the beginning of the prayer of the saints being answered from way back in Revelation 6.10. And, and what we're seeing is a fulfillment of Hebrews chapter 10, verses 30 and 31. And it will be terrifying. They will be afraid. They will have a, the phobia of phobias. And notice the hardness of the heart of these unbelievers. It's not, oh my, I need to repent. 
They're not like that at all. They're, they're in this chaos. They, listen, in that moment, they'll know the church was right. The Christians were right. Because they talk about the wrath of the Lamb coming. They know from whom this chaos is coming. They know, yet they refuse to repent. They don't attribute this event to some chance cosmic calamity. They say the wrath of the Lamb has come, and they don't cry to the Lamb for mercy. They call to the rocks to cover them. Wow. They are so hard-hearted, they could not believe the gospel if they... They wanted to, but that's an ironic statement for me to make because they wouldn't want to because of the level of hardness of their hearts. And so there will be a cosmic calamity on the earth. There will be a universal panic attack amongst unbelievers. And this calamity and this panic will, verse 17 and number 3, because I'm, I'm just giving you a 3 to give you a 3. I'm being a 3-pointer tonight. <laughs> It signifies the beginning of the day of the Lord. Now, I say the beginning of the day because the day of the Lord comes in a couple of phases. Phase one unfolds over the next three and a half years of the Great Tribulation, which will culminate in the Battle of Armageddon and the return of Jesus Christ. Then there's a thousand-year literal reign of Christ and the church on this planet. And then at the end of the thousand year period, there is the final judgment and the final phase of the great and dreadful day of the Lord when the entire universe is wiped away and will be remade into the new heaven and the new earth. You say, well, if it's over all that amount of time, why is it called a day? Well, relax. Peter said one day with the Lord is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. And as I told you, we've been in the last day eschatologically since Christ descended, according to Hebrews chapter 1. Now, who shall stand? Well, I'll just go ahead and tell you, this is who, you want me to tell you who will stand? Whether you ask that rhetorically, we may, we may deal with that more. I'll tell you who can stand. Those who are covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. They will stand. When the world's falling apart, they will not crumble. When the world's falling apart, the church will shine bright. They need not fear. They need not fear. What a day. What a day it will be. Wow. Let's bow and let's close our eyes and let's think on these truths that the Spirit of God has spoken to us tonight.